Welcome, everybody. I'm really excited that you're able to join us today, and I value your time very much. I'd like to invite you to become a follower and supporter of the Growing Band Orchid podcast. You can follow us on social media channels, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube by going on growingband.com and clicking on any of those to follow us. You can also find on there now a new merchandise store, which has the Growing Band Director Podcast logo and some sayings on lots of different items on there for men and women. And um, there's things from t-shirts and sweatshirts to other clothing and accessories, lots of different options on there with lots of different sizes and colors. Again, a little bit of that money comes back to us at the podcast to help us keep some content going for you. Finally, I'd like to invite you to become a Patreon member. This is a listener-supported show, which means we don't take any ads besides this one. Instead, we rely on listeners like you to keep us going, right? The way to support us um, is by going to growingband.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. And you can choose either $5 a month, $3 a month, and you'll gain access to the episode notes as well as an audio file of every episode we've done. Among other things, this is where you'll find our repertoire list and all the different repertoire podcasts we've done in the past and will do in the future. So whether it's by clicking on Patreon, um, following us on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, um, going to the merchandise store on growingband.com and ordering something for yourself or some family or friends, um, and also sharing the show with some other people, we really, really appreciate you being part of the show. And please reach out at any point. And uh, there's a way to do that on growingband.com as well on the contact us button. Uh, anyways, let's get to the show. I hope you enjoy it. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing Band Director podcast. My name is Kyle Smith, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Jeff Smith. Our mission is to share practical advice and explore topics that will help every band director, no matter your experience level, as well as music education students who are working to join us in the coming years. Together, we will discuss many aspects of a well-rounded band program, but most importantly, we will discuss concepts that help us all improve our own programs each and every day. Always remember the famous quote by Ray Kroc, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're ripe, you rot. Let's get started. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to episode 56 of the Growing Band Director podcast. I'm very excited to have John McAllister on the screen with us uh, and Jeff Smith, uh, my prestigious co-host and dear friend. Jeff, I haven't seen you for a couple of weeks. How are things going? Well, Thanksgiving was great, and uh, now it's time to get ready for winter season. So uh, that is churning up like crazy. How are things with you? Busy, but life is good. We're starting basketball practice and games and things like that. So the dad part of it is is never never stops, which is so awesome. But I, I was I'm very excited to have John with us. If people don't know John McAllister, you should. Uh, his 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 stuff. I know you're embarrassed, but your stuff, uh, we have a lot of people who love your website, johnmcallister.com. Am I correct? Sorry, John McAllister. Uh, John McAllister Music. music.com. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like one of those candy stores as band directors we walk into, right? And you're like, oh, this is so cool. Um, so that's that's the big thing is we're trying to get people onto your site and using more of that if they haven't seen it before. And I'm just going to clear up that there is no kickback to me when people use your site more. So I'm not doing it for money. It's just something I think is really, really cool. So um, John, would you kind of give us your, your brief story? Yeah. So I, um, 
It's it's interesting because I I never really expected to be where I am right now with the website and and what I do. I'm right now. I'm currently. I'm actually not teaching right now. I'm in grad school, getting a, a degree in another degree in music ed, and just largely because I hit critical mass with what I was doing with my creating my resources and with uh, composing and different things like that. So I was like, I just need more time. So I stepped out of the classroom for a couple of years to, to work on that and a master's degree. Um, where are you going but, to school? Uh, um, I'm, uh, so I live in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I looked all over trying to figure out what to do. Cause I wasn't going to move We're we're in, we've got a, a good house. We got a good setup, my wife and I. And, uh, so I wanted a, a school that I could go and be in person and they're, literally five minutes from my house. I've known the faculty forever because I, um, uh, I, a lot of my students would take lessons with them and I've just interacted with them, gone to their concerts. They've been to my concerts, that kind of thing. So it was Great. just, it just seemed like a good, a good place to go and study and, and grow and, and kind of take a deep dive and to a lot of the things that I do on my website. So it's very much, um, you know, let's do some independent studies on some areas that I, um, that I want to learn more and make sure that the resources I'm creating are as mm-hmm. pedagogically sound as they can possibly be. So that's a lot of what I've been doing. And, um, but anyways, how I, how I got here is all of this started was, uh, I guess my, when I, when I first started teaching, uh, I taught in the same school district for 14 years. I taught seven years in middle school and then seven years at the high school. And uh, I guess my second year teaching, a new band director took over and uh, we're like, we need some marching band warmups. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I want to do this whole composing thing. So let me write some marching band warmups that fit our ensemble because uh, we had a very uh, diverse range of playing abilities. We had mm-hmm. some very advanced players. We also had some players that were, um, that were, you know, struggling with the B flat scale. <laughs> so, so I created a set of warmups that were going to be best for what we needed and, um, did that. And then basically every year we would tweak them a little bit. And, and then I was like, you know what, I kind of need to do this for my classroom at the middle school level, because I was teaching at a school that, uh, didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have, um, I couldn't say, all right, everybody go buy this book because uh, I I could say that and maybe half of them would. So we'd have to play out of a class set if we're going to use a standard book or something like that. It's like, well, you know what? I kind of know what we need. Let's just write my own warmups. So I did. And and you can you can print them out and photocopy them freely. And I can also I know what my students need. So I would tailor it to the ensemble and and they would get harder and harder and harder because, you know, as my students got better and. And what I would do is when I'd write a new set of warmups, I'd just email it out to my friends and say, hey, use these if you like. Um, just this is what I'm doing. And uh, a lot of them liked that. And eventually, um, I, I'm not a programmer, so I can't really do website stuff. I, I use Weebly, which is one of the you know drag and drop websites. So mm-hmm. I found that. I created a um, website and just started putting the warmups up there. And somehow it caught on. I I don't even know. I guess Google did me a favor and and over time it built and, and I started realizing, oh my gosh, people are like using this stuff. Okay. Well, I, so I just kept building and building and building. Um, I did, I used to have a second website that was, cause I write commercial music too, a little bit. Uh, I used to do it more than I do now because the, the band world has completely taken me over. So, um, so I had a website for that. So I was kind of doing some of that, um, 
it's where the whole cinematic uh, warm-ups mm-hmm. comes from is because I, I dabble in both worlds and, and randomly, I, I can't even remember what caused me to think, I think I was doing some sort of Remington style long tones. And I was like, what would happen if we had like an accompaniment track to this? And so I just randomly wrote one out. My kids loved it. So I was like, well, I guess I'll put it on YouTube and see what happens. And I guess the rest is history. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, I wanted That's... to dive in. I wanted to dive into those a little bit because sure, um, because having backing tracks to stuff that is considered technique work or warm up work, mm-hmm. obviously makes it completely different. You know, and just ha- having the ability, you like, oh my gosh, I'm playing with this movie score. This is so <laughs> cool. But I'm just playing a Remington and F, but it doesn't matter because it's so it's so cool. And then also, I like a lot of the, the chords that you choose. You know, you don't choose anything that's like super out there, but it's not, yeah. you know, your traditional, what you're playing is always the root kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And well, your, produ- um, your production quality too, of all the sound effects and all of the extra added stuff that really is just around the essential of what uh-huh. the kids are doing just makes it so much fun for the kids. Yeah. Well, um, it's interesting how I got into that is, uh, I always wanted to be a composer. I, um, that was when, uh, well, a lot of people of my, my generation can trace it back to when the Lord of the Rings movies came out, when those came totally. out. I mean, I, I went and saw, uh, I'm, I don't know, four or five times each in the theaters, just cause I was enamored with it. I was like, I want to write music. I love being creative and that's what I want to do. So, um, so I knew that I kind of wanted to get into doing that kind of stuff. I actually had a friend in high school in band. He was a uh, drum captain one year. Um, he was a couple years older than me, but, uh, he, um, he wanted to be a filmmaker. So we kind of like, well, I want to write film music. So we started working together. He went to actually went to film school, um, in North Carolina and, and did a couple of, uh, we, I guess I never actually did a film for him. I did multiple video games for him. This was almost a decade ago at this point, mm-hmm. but um, uh, he kind of pushed me into the writing, the cinematic side of things. Cause I actually had something to write for. So I'd buy these plugins and I'm, I mean, it's professional. I think one of the video games, it was a, it was a math game. It actually won best educational game of the year for uh, some circuit that it was in. And, so he kind of pushed me into that and and I kind of learned the the professional side of creating the you know a soundtrack on my computer because it was the early days of um plugins. I kind I remember the way back I was like, well do I want to try to build a studio where I can record live instruments and do it all myself or do I want to buy these plugins? And once I did the the price analysis of that, it was a lot cheaper to just buy a, a $500 set of plugins then you know, $10,000 on a studio. So, um, but anyways, I, um, I got into doing all of that and then I, I married the two things together that what you were saying about the, um, the Remington, it's interesting. The reason why some of the chords I end up using is because it's really hard to figure out how to, to, tastefully score a chromatic scale mm-hmm. uh it, it i have to get creative harmonically when i'm when i'm doing it and the cool thing is is that film composers have been doing that for a while now using like chromatic mediants and things like that it's it's something that's popular whenever you go any see any blockbuster movie so i'm like okay well if i work it like this um and that's essentially how i get to it i was like well what can, what kind of creative sound can i get and how can i make it 
um, work for it. So, well, what what has stood out to me when I I mean I, this is not my first time seeing your stuff. I think it's been maybe five or six years. I've kind of been mm -hmm. watching it, dabbling in it, um, and I did notice that you know how far back have we had backing tracks? I mean, for a really long time, right? I mean, they were on record, they were on tapes, they've been mm -hmm. on in jazz and classical. Like, there's all these these ones, and then you know, sound um, standard of excellence. You know, they have the book one, yeah. book two, you know, so it's not a new invention, but I think the level and the fact that you go into the the other side of things, it's not just like a mm -hmm. classical backing track. It's more, it's more produced, um, I think really yeah. taps into something with the kids and the visual part of it is really cool. You clearly put a, a lot into the visual part. Um, so I assume most of the people, when they use yours, they project it on their screens in front of the band. Am I correct? I I think so. I think it's a mix. I, um, if they have the resources, I think they do. Um, I've started putting a scrolling line on all of my videos. The reason why some of my earlier videos don't have that is just the time. It takes yeah. a long time to animate these videos, um, and, and literally go bar, bar by bar. And, um, so I think it's a mix. I think yeah. if they have the resources, they use it. Um, I think they should, if, if, if they, um, maybe write, writing grants or trying to get the resources because I'm a huge proponent of using as much technology in the classroom nowadays as possible because it just it adds an extra layer of engagement for the students. And even if they're still reading off of the paper on their uh, or whatever they read off of on their stand, yep. they still having it projected upwards gives that extra visual connection. It's amazing to watch how students when it, it really doesn't even matter what you put on the screen. You put something on the screen and they are like sucked into it. My, um, my three-year-old nephew, just like we put on a cartoon, he was there here for Thanksgiving. And he's just like, I mean, even at an age yeah. like that. And totally. I just think it's the visual engagement of it. And, and I, I like to think of it from an educational standpoint is because how can we, or how can I create resources that are totally engaging that also check all of the boxes of you know good tone quality all of the reminders that they need to and even um reading music like if you can see something on there that helps you understand how to read music better then why not well one of the things you include in in, in a lot of your videos is the tracking right mm -hmm. where you have yes. where you, where people see if you don't know what tracking is or see the line going above the music mm -hmm. to help those kids with that I, I wonder, have you had any feedback about any of the videos where the score, there's so many lines on there that the kids can't read one of the scores because they're all reading I, score format? I um, I think, well, so what, I've, what I've, I try to do, and this happened, you know, when, when COVID happened, I, I started doing reduced scores with just minimal lines. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think... I put the the ones up there with the full score. I you know I don't think they can read that off the screen because it's just way too small. But it's um, it's more there for rehearsal purposes and for the director um, to kind of know where they're at. Um, but all of my future videos will pretty much always have the tracking line on there because I think it makes it easier. And it's also like if there's a student that's having trouble reading what's going on, knowing what's going on, they can go home and pull it up on YouTube and, mm -hmm. and follow the line and know exactly what they're supposed to be playing. And, you know, I'm, I'm always a huge proponent. I, I've seen so many band directors. They say the release is on count one. And then that's all they say. It doesn't actually take it. You know, it doesn't always happen, but when you have the scrolling line and that line hits that rest, it, it teaches you 
that's where the release point is. Hold the note for the full duration. Well, the passion that you have for this arena is really awesome because like you've done music education, a huge service by clearly your gift and your your passion for it. Um, I, I was noticing the the use of metronome because I think a lot of us use the metronome, yeah. right? And I know some yes, people yeah. use it more than others and I, I probably fall somewhere in the middle of that. But mm -hmm. so many of our kids, I find, need help with steady beat. It's not just something that happens. Now, when they get to a certain level, I think we can use less and less metronome. But for a while, mm -hmm. I think a lot of programs use it. And this has every effect as the metronome, because obviously what you're using as a backing track works really well, and it's a steady beat. So they're following that mm -hmm. rather than just the metronome. Um, I've also been using you know, the amount of stuff on YouTube. You can go, okay, we're doing rhythmic exercises on a concert F. So you go F minor fusion click and you can find all these cool backing tracks and mm -hmm. you know salsas and cha-chas and all these things and the kids are exposed to, like my kids start moving and jamming to like the simple eighth note rhythms that they're having the sight read and yeah when i see that i feel like we're experienced music experiencing music at a really high level and even though some older musicians might look down on that and say well you know you're you're not writing it all on your own i think it helps build the skills that the kids need and i just love it when kids get, get into this basic stuff that we need to teach them but they don't really realize they're learning they're having fun as they do it yeah i yeah i think that's great i think i and i we have technology is you know let's use it i i'm a huge proponent of the metronome i i, I think that if well i mean we expect when we expect our students to practice we expect them to go home and put a metronome on and, and play along with a metronome and develop that steady pulse so why not use it in in things like this um, yeah, it, and seems, I, and it I, seems to me like the metronome is like vitamin C, but then like the, your backing tracks or these other backing tracks are more like the gummy vitamins where it's like, yeah, this is like a yeah. candy, but it still has what yeah. I need. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And that's, and that's my thought behind it is it, it, it cause you know, some of the tracks I, um, it's literally just a drone and a metronome is because mm -hmm. sometimes you need to practice with a drone and a metronome to make sure that your pitch is steady, to make sure that you're playing your instrument in tune, you're finding where those notes sit on your horn, but also that you're you're keeping that steady pulse. And um, yeah, so the the cinematic ones, uh, that's that's definitely hidden in there is that, yes, you're learning to play with a steady pulse as well. And, and you're hearing these harmonies and you're blending your sound to them and playing in tune with them, well, hopefully playing in tune with them. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, yeah, so that's that's a huge driving force. I'll tell you where where I um I got kind of the idea of of doing that was uh, Michael Davis, I think, uh, trombone player. He has a lot of resources. He's a jazz trombonist. Um, hmm. uh, and he had a thing called the hip bone warm ups. Those like trombone warm ups that I played in high school, and um, I personally was like okay, yeah, this is great because it had the backing track. It had that, and, and he actually had himself playing on those. So me as a developing trombonist, I was able mm -hmm. to play with the backing track, to play with a metronome, to also listen to a professional on there. And that's why I often try to create, use sounds that are as as pure sounds as possible um, for the students to match and play are, in tune with. And Are those available anywhere? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'd have to look it up. Um, okay. and I, 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 let me make sure that it's the right, I told you the right name, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you Google Michael Davis trombone, hip bone music, now his is all for sale. Um, yep. and some of it's pretty pricey, but, um, it is fantastic. I, I know as a young player, I, 
I benefited greatly. And, and honestly, uh, as a professional, I mean, he's, he's a great player and he's got a lot of stuff that, that even, you know, been playing my trombone for many, many years now that I still struggle with because it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult. So, but they all have background tracks. He gets professionals in to like, you can play along with them. So I used to buy his uh, books and, um, and lend them out to my students because I was like, just go home, play along with this. And um, yeah, just, it, it does a lot of the works for you because it, it gives you that, you know, uh, metronome and, and um, tone quality, uh, instruments playing along that kind and of there's thing. more and more youtube content creators who do stuff like this i found somebody yeah. out of japan i honestly i'm not prepared to quote it but it's this alto player and he writes all these transcribed solos that he like creates himself but it's like you're playing a charlie parker solo only the kids can play it and it has the video of the music as you're playing it and it has him recorded playing it it's just people That's like awesome. you guys who do all these resources it's just fascinating because they're they're all out there yeah, Jeff, it's Jeff. It's, what would have happened if you had YouTube when you were teaching? Life would have been a lot different. But I got to tell you, based on what John has said, and everything we just did with the Stratford Wind Symphony, we just did a Halloween concert, and we backed it up with as we were playing. We had videos going on in the background to keep the children engaged with the Halloween festival, and it worked marvelously. And a lot of the performances we do, we do back up our concerts with videos to. Uh, keep the audience engaged because like John said, people just pop out of the seats. Well, wait a minute, we're just not gonna sit here and listen. We're gonna see something at the same time. And uh, as as you're mentioning this, I, I teach an adult wind ensemble and um, I'm gonna download a couple of these and, and try them with them after we get done with our holiday concerts, which start this weekend. And uh, most of, third of them or more are music educators. So it'll also get them to see what you're doing and maybe mm-hmm. they'll give it a whirl with their kids. And I'll make sure I mention you about that and give you full credit for it. So that that'll be uh, beautiful. 15 people that'll see something that maybe they've never yeah. seen before and used before. And uh, I think it's a great thing. When I left teaching, we were just getting whiteboards. So I never got to teach on a whiteboard, but I was having from a whole department had them all installed. So uh, the next generation could have them. And now they use them all the time. My, yeah. my my brain got thinking about pieces that actually have these computer portions as part of the piece. So, of, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the piece that jumps to my mind right away is the Stephen Bryant piece, Machine Awakes. I assume mm-hmm. you guys have heard of Machine Awakes. If people haven't, it's a grade two that you can play with this computerized backing track. Oh, um, cool. And I, this was not on our plan. So I don't know if does, does anybody have any pieces they've done that are kind of in that vein at all that they would want to share or that they know um, about? I know uh, Paper Cut uh, by Alex Shapiro is is a very cool one. Um, it's it's probably a gra- around a grade three, I think. Uh, you play along with a backing track. I, I think that's fantastic. The, the more that we add technology, and I know there's there's a little bit of apprehension from some at times on doing that, but as a you know a fervent music advocator, I think it's a great thing to add technology in. I I love seeing professional symphony orchestras doing this more and more and more um, as they figure out how to get audiences out to you know see classically oriented music. Use the technology, put something up on the big screen. Why not? Absolutely. So as as yeah, I was, it, it engages people um, in the society we live in. People aren't. In a single dimension any longer they they need the the experience of multiple dimensions when they're viewing and seeing a concert and hearing a concert so um 
I wanted to start going through some some stuff that was on your website as, okay. as I was doing my sort of prep research for this. Uh, first of all, I came across your YouTube channel and I think I was subscriber number 2,700 and whatever. <laughs> so, um, but I love your YouTube channel because all the play along stuff that you have right there and accompaniment tracks is so great. Uh-huh. I've noticed you have a lot of stuff for like the the beginner instrumentalist. So like this beginner flute, you know, I, I think I was watching one, my daughter is a sixth grade flute player. So she's like, oh, let's see that okay. one. So it's like, I it's like the scale with the fingering underneath it. Like I started seeing yes. that recently. That's amazing. Yes. Like if I could have seen the yeah. trumpet fingering as I was learning the scale. And then the yeah. second, the second time, like the screen turns dark and it happens oh, again, yeah. but there's yeah. an accompaniment. Like that's so yeah. cool. That's, that's, that's so me cool. being deceptive. It's like, no, you're going to practice it twice because this one's way cooler than that. So you just practiced it twice. Yeah, no, that's, that's one of my next, Brilliant. um, uh, objectives is to actually do all of the scales mm-hmm. with the fingerings right there, just just to create add that layer of engagement and to make it more exciting and easier to practice and memorize the scales, especially for the youngest players. And um, yeah, it's a, as you can imagine, it takes a while to do those. That actually takes the longest because I have to create the fingering charts in Adobe Illustrator. Uh, which that's what it takes forever because I have to like draw out every single little note and all that. Um, but yeah, then, then I plug them in and animate it and, and hopefully lots more people learn their scales. Yeah. So. I, I, as I was going through your site, I'm just going to list some of the things that I, I came across. So sure. You had, um, and some of these are free resources. Some of them are, are paid. But when mm-hmm. I was looking at your prices, like the prices are not, not nothing at all. Um, so uh, composite original that's on purpose. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, original compositions, um, adaptable music and duets. You were talking about how important yes. playing duets were you, and you have a lot of adaptable duets on your site. Yes, uh, that's uh, the um, the adaptable music is because I love chamber music. I think chamber music is one of the most important things that is doesn't take place enough in band because it's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, just speaking from my own experience, it's it's difficult to find music that you can play with the instrumentation you have. Most band programs don't have perfect instrumentation. They don't like, it's hard to build a brass quintet. It's almost impossible sometimes to build a woodwind quintet, but if you can switch out the horn for a saxophone, or you can switch out the bassoon for a baritone or whatever you had to do, um, it makes it a lot easier. So I, I got on a kick. Actually, that came from my free Christmas stuff. There's I, the, all of my Christmas adaptable quintets are all free. Um, so anybody that sees this, go, go download them. There's, I think there's 20 of them now. We're performing, um, we're performing those on Sunday at our holiday tree oh, wedding. So thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, and that's what they're for. So, um, they, um, that's what, that's how those started is they started as a brass thing. And they, then I was like, okay, I'm cause we use them every year. And I was like, I need to make these available for uh, whatever instruments I have that can actually be at the performance. And I think there was one year we had, we had five different chamber ensembles in the downtown of our area during the, like the Christmas festival that they do. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, this is an important thing because I want this to be chamber music. I want it to be small, like band caroling. And uh, it needs to be completely adaptable to as many people as yeah. possible. So then I added that into the adaptable quintets for just classical music and stuff that I write. And then adaptable quartets and adapt. I'm going to do probably change all of them to adaptable trios too, like a soprano alto bass line. And because mm-hmm. Chamber music is great, and the more students can make music, the better. So, 
pardon me for my ignorance, but on the soprano alto tenor bass line, you'd just have like soprano, you'd have it for a C instrument, B flat instrument, E flat instrument, mm -hmm. instrument bass clef instrument. That's a great so idea. So what I, what I do is I arrange it for brass quintet first, and then I transpose it for all of the other instruments, the transposing instruments. So you could essentially play it with a brass quintet. You could play it with like a saxophone ensemble. You could play it with any type of woodwind ensemble, or you can mi basically mix and match as long yeah. as you have two soprano lines, an alto line, a uh, tenor line, and then the bass line. And I will say you can buy a lot of these books now over the last decade, you know, um, trios for all and, uh, and the compatible duets and things from all these publishers. But one thing that I found that I like about your stuff, especially is not only is it electronic and it's available and you can find it, but it's also easy enough. I mean, there's so much music out mm -hmm. there. That's like, I think people think is easy, but it's not as easy as it needs to be. I mean, I'm married to a wonderful middle school teacher and it's like finding trios for seventh grade flute players is like impossible. You know, oh, yeah. the, like book, a the books, books get hard fast. Right. So just having this music that's easy enough is just, mm -hmm. just fantastic. Um, and that's we, the goal is to make it accessible. And it's great for the idea that you had where Christmas caroling groups, maybe you have a bizarre instrumentation, but you have all the voice parts covered. Well, a group of kids who are friends but play all different instruments can go anywhere and play in the community and fulfill a need for themselves and fulfill a need for the community. Yeah, last last year we were asked, we actually had a fire in the summer after we were going to come back. So we had an extra semester outside of school than most other people. So we had like a year and a half, three semesters out of school. And we were asked, oh, would you come perform at your at the tree lighting? And I was like, I haven't seen the band in 600 days. But I wasn't going to say no, because it was a really important for us to play. So your stuff just saved us. Mm -hmm. I was able to hand the parts out at a marching band banquet outside and say, guess what? They want awesome. the marching band to play yeah. on Christmas. I'll <laughs> see you at the gig. And they had the play along recording to go with. So you saved us. That's awesome. We sincerely appreciate you taking your valuable time and listening to the Growing Band Director podcast. Your students are very lucky to have a band director like you. If you have any suggestions for episode topics or think you have an area of expertise to share on a show with us, please reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your band director friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Growing Band Director. See you next week.